Welcome, everybody, to Bar Talk, episode 20. I am your host, John Foley. Uh, with me, as always, Courtney Booms. Hello. Mark Miller. Hello, hello. Coming to you from the Relief and Resource in Fenton, Michigan, courtesy of iLogic Media. Please check out their other content if you have not. But today is the first in our, uh, what is, will be a series of, of episodes where we talk about people in the industry that have made a, a gigantic difference. And it was very easy to choose the first one because we're going to dive right into David Wondrich, yes. cocktail author, historian, and a, a really a massive influence on anybody who does this job and also reads about it. Yeah. In, in like an entirely serious tone at the very least. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And his influence on the resurgence of classic cocktails in contemporary bartending is um, immeasurable. Mm-hmm. Plus he's really smart and really funny and, um, our bar is in a tiny little town, so he'll probably never come here. But if he does, we'll make him a great drink. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about the gentleman because he's he's um, he's well published. He's well published. He's yeah. an academic. He is an academic. He's an academic first, and then he came to cocktail writing afterwards. But mm-hmm. you've got the bio, and we'll talk yeah. a little bit about him as we go along. But we're, we're going to learn about the gentleman today. Yeah. So I've got like a mini biography if we wanted to start off with that, and then maybe talk about his writings, and then some projects and whatnot. Yeah, and I'm going to probably be guilty of focusing on one book That's more okay. than the others because I think that book is probably one of the most four or five uh, important books that you can have on a, on a cocktail library, Which yeah, on a beverage library because there's lots of great beer and wine books, wine, books about service. But if you have a cocktail library, this book is quintessentially important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of Going over brief biography first, David Wondrich was originally from, uh, I believe I'm pronouncing this right, Monongalia, Pennsylvania, which is about 17 miles uh, south of Pittsburgh, so basically Pittsburgh adjacent. Coal country. Yeah. Coal steel country. country. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times, too, like, for instance, we're in Fenton. If I'm traveling and no one knows what the heck is Fenton, I'll say, like, it's Flint adjacent. That kind of same idea. Yeah. Um, and it's not Fenton. It's, it's Fenton. So this Fenton. is more deer hunter <laughs> than Rocky. Yeah. Rocky sure. Philly. Yeah, sure. yeah. Deer hunter sure. was more Pittsburgh adjacent. Speaking of Rocky, from a young age, uh, David Wondrich had aspirations of becoming a rock star. Um, he was a musician. Not a boxer, played, though. No, no. <laughs> just, the, just the word rock. Oh. I have to make associations for we the jump sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Rock. So, yeah. Stop it. That is the first, I'm sorry, that's the first <laughs> and last Bob Seger reference on the show, or I'm going to tear it all down. You can't get the copyrights anyway, Mark. Come on. No, no but it's just... Oh. Uh, all right, all right. <laughs> so David Wondrich, he does have major dreams of becoming a rock star, um, but he has a propensity for academics. So um, he's really good at school, but he does drop out of college to try and uh, he just like plays gigs and in, in local bars. Um, he's in New York at this point. He's mostly uh, sipping Gibson martinis. That was his go-to when he's in the old man bars, because if he yeah. tried to order anything else, um, I think in an interview, he called them woo-woo drinks. Anything that involves more than like three ingredients, you would get shit canned possibly, or just like generally you become hated. a woo girl. Yeah, a woo boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, it's funny Gibson I drank Gibsons too when I first started like getting into cocktails, and I think it's because I just I still to this day don't like olives in my martinis, yeah. and I couldn't like, get. <laughs> I never had a proper lemon zest in a martini, so I ordered Gibsons because I thought they were super cool, <laughs> and it didn't end up tasting salty. Yeah. At the yeah. end, I think the rock star thing is interesting too. Like you see. 
it's something like you make fun of in this industry. Like, oh, well, you were a musician, but you couldn't be a musician, so you're a bartender. bartender you, couldn't, yeah. you know, you couldn't mm-hmm. write a, the great American novel or <laughs> <laughs> your acting career clearly stalled, so you're a bartender. But I think that's what also makes this industry kind of interesting because you do have a lot of people who have great artistic interests and are and have a ton of adjacent stuff yeah. that they're really into. And then that informs the service and the, and the culture. Well, personal charisma places. even yeah. can really make a, make the difference. Yeah, so that's, a it's a funny in one too, hand, but it's so also, it. it's what makes a lot of bars cool. Yeah. So he's, I mean, generally he's enjoying the atmosphere of the bar life, but eventually he turns about 25 and quote says, if you didn't make it to the stardom by the age you were 25, it was unlikely to happen. So he returns to academics. He finishes his degree. Uh, he has a doctorate in comparative literature. Um, he got that from New York University, and uh, eventually he finds work as a Shakespeare and freshman comp professor on Staten Island at St. John's University. Good basketball team, usually. I didn't know that. Um, Sometimes they sneak up. You know, he's a he's a junior professor when he starts, just like anyone who starts, you kind of have to work your way up. But he didn't really like it. Uh, he was yeah. mostly told by higher administrators or older professors like to do all this work that he didn't really want to do because he's on committees, right? So he's been delegated this work. Well, because it's not all teaching. Yeah, it's not all teaching. It's yeah. a lot more than that. Like bartending. Like the, the when you see us bartend, that's that's just the show. That's a small part of it. Yeah. Because there's a bunch of other stuff that goes into the actual service of a bar. The background is a lot more. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I mean, in in general, he's his mentality is like, I don't want to be here any more than any of my students do. So he starts... Um, he starts trying to find ways out of it, so to speak. His wife is supportive of him finding a different career. He loves music, so he goes to jazz clubs and he, and he writes um, critics or critiques of jazz music that he listens to. Eventually, some of his friends see that, and uh, one of them ends up being... Um, he owns a subsidiary of Esquire magazine. He wants him to start writing for him, and then eventually Esquire magazine specifically asks him to start writing drink reviews, um, kind of bringing up old classic drinks, the Manhattan, the Martini, et cetera, Daiquiri, and kind of writing like little blurbs about that once a week for their newspaper and he's making pretty good money for that and then they're, they're the lit comp yeah. and the history and the desire to tell stories and all of it kind of just wraps dovetail. up yeah yeah and interestingly enough uh, i think harvey picar the the comic book artist also wrote jazz reviews i didn't like know in that spare time really? yeah. yeah that's yeah. really cool yeah because he was always going to like thrift stores and and garage sales and trying to find like you know cheap ass copies yeah. of stuff so if you want like a better job just start writing jazz reviews and then maybe <laughs> it'll go to a higher no degree. now it's now it's really sad it's like you know you don't write jazz reviews you just write lists oh yeah. right <laughs> top I 15 that. jazz albums to help you get over yourself well you really got on a well, tuesday it's within Excellent. the title that you really sell it so you get those it's clickbait you know it's, it's, oh, what it is it's, yeah. it's the uh the jazz influencer if you like five jazz albums that are super influential and five that are overrated <laughs> do you want to hear the, the most, bunch of ads in between <laughs> the most pretentious self-indulgent saxophone solo is in this song yeah that's it but he naturally falls into the role being a curioso of drinks and having drank plenty of places when he was a musician and and generally being curious right so and he's in new york which makes that a lot easier oh super easy yeah yeah, yeah. compared to Mon- monogalia potentially i don't really know but knuckle sandwich is what you're gonna get <laughs> basically his start with esquire meant he was able to use his interests in drink 
drinking, drinking culture, um, and combine it with his training to do archival and educational based research. So he, he not only is he writing like little snippets and anecdotes, um, eventually he starts uh, from those shortened little paragraphs to delve deeper into the history, categorizing drinks into different families, which is something we do today and have mm-hmm. mentioned before for other writings um, like Death and Co or Dead Rabbit. Yes. Um, and researching ingredients lost to the annals. So um, like uh, maraschino liqueur, uh, Luxardo maraschino oh, liqueur. Yeah. We use that in tons of drinks. It's readily available now, but at the time that he was doing this around nineties, around the late nineties, early two thousands, like you'd have to special order that or have someone smuggle yeah, it to you from like Europe. In Fenton <laughs> yeah. in the, in the early two thousands, it was, I, it was hard to carry all the time because I don't think the ordering on the state level was up to the demand that, you know, right. us bartenders wanted. Yeah. And but I, I think that's what, and we'll get into this more with the Jerry Thomas book, but what Wondrich was always really concerned about, and what I think is is awesome, is the families of cocktails and the builds. And yeah. these classic builds that, that were used back then that can still be applied now. And he was always writing about how, okay, this is how they did it then. This is how you do it now. Right. This is the best way to do it now in a modern setting. And that's invaluable stuff for somebody who's learning how to bartend. Yeah, recipe updates, basically, yeah. for like lack of better words. Some of those ingredients aren't findable, but you can find something similar. And if you modify your Here's sweet your because this yeah. is drier, yeah. Yeah, and this is what vermouth tasted Work like around. then, and that's why the proportions were that way. But vermouth tastes like this now, and this is why you should do it right this yeah. way now. And a bunch of his recipes have that, and that was really, really yeah. useful. And we've mentioned this a couple times too that like vermouth came along a lot later than a lot of people I think think of vermouth yeah. coming because it's like what in like the eighties, seventies, yeah, eighteen eighties, eighteen seventies. Could you imagine? Like, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> got to come with me to the bar. Get a load of this new stuff. It's really it's called vermouth. And knock you right on your keystone. I love your, I love your, it's my old timey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. old timey boys. Yeah. Apparently he's an old good. Yeah. yeah. Come on, be a sport. Just We're going to check out that new baseball and have some vermouth. Have you heard of those in Don't have too many of a tipple or you end up yeah. in Charlie Con in San Francisco. <laughs> Nothing like some ballpark hot dogs and vermouth. Yeah. Mm. Well, <laughs> but like you see it in, um, in Oscar Wilde too. They were drinking hock and soda. Yeah, but yeah. hawk is yeah. just fucking vermouth. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but vermouth was hotness. It's like it was an a American. Deal. Yeah, it was a big deal. In it's it all hit. the rage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, like we were saying, um, he does write for Esquire. He's writing about these things like drink recipe changes, but he's also talking about um, like top bars in the area. He's also talking about um, he, he writes lots of articles about like how to enjoy a, a crappy bar, like how to make yourself uh, at home, which we did in our uh, we second did an episode. episode on yeah. That. <laughs> um, a lot of my favorites, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna list a couple favorites that I just, I've gotten subscription to Esquire magazine, uh, doing this research and started like just reading a couple articles randomly. Because of course she did <laughs> <laughs> research thorough. <laughs> um, one was how to give a better toast from the February 2020. Oh, you gotta issue. show me that because so many people are crappy yeah, at giving toast. This is why I like the article. He's very sarcastic oh, in it gosh. a lot about like what you, what you expect, what you see, and then what you should be doing. So it's a really good. Oh, one. don't make it about you. Right. Please don't make it about you. <laughs> and that thing that you say that you're saying that you think is funny that you said at every toast since college, it's not funny. It's not funny. Yeah. Everybody it's not funny. thinks it's super, super lame. We don't need your dad jokes in a toast. Ugh. We don't. Okay. No. Uh, other ones are how to how cocktail culture survived prohibition in World War II. This is a much more serious article. I really enjoyed that one. September uh, 2015 is when it came out. Uh, 
when it comes to champagne bottles, go big or go home, an endorsement of the Magnum, yeah. December 2015. Better for the liquid. Yeah. I am also this way about like certain session or says on beers or German <laughs> beers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, bigger, better. Bigger, better. Yeah, well, no, but time. it is like, like Magnums and larger sized bottles. Methuselahs, et cetera, Jerobums or Jerobums. I never, ever pronounce that word. Um, that is better for, for wine to sit. Well, and the fermentation, the bubbles, like it actually yeah. continues to to make interesting spirit in there as it sits in those giant bottles. badass and cracking a magnum of champagne for, yeah. uh, for a, when people walk in. Especially if there's just like two of you. <laughs> just so you know. I only have romantic up in here. so many... <laughs> Cubes of cheese and a, and a minimal amount of crackers, <laughs> but, but I, I do have. This is gonna get weird. <laughs> yeah, champagne. I also have a saber for it, so here we go. Can you saber? Sabering? Can I? Absolutely not. <laughs> I can. Really? Yeah. Pixar didn't have on the next episode well, of this podcast. I would, <laughs> I would definitely need to practice, but I can. I can saber a bottle. We should do that, and we'll insert it into an episode one time. Like, this is John sabering. <laughs> Just like cut. Yeah, I'd have to shit. practice, but it's been like years. But I can. I can do it. I was sabering a bottle in the in the adjacent like catering kitchen area of the event space for the laundry not in the restaurant proper yeah. i was practicing so i had it in the freezer i had it stored you know and i'm like i'm gonna practice with a couple bottles before new year's eve so i can do it on new year's eve in the bar and i, I right as i'm about to strike poor ashley um ashley burton who is who used to work there she's oh, yeah. coming she comes out of the bathroom and, and i just, just let it go and the neck of this thing flies right by her face <laughs> oh my and gosh. she like stops dead in her tracks i'm like i almost killed you and she's like that was really cool, but really scary. <laughs> They're like, if you're, you're going to practice sabering a bottle, like don't do it around other people. <laughs> I almost killed somebody. She's she's a mother of, of twins now, and and really, it's lovely, really, really, lovely. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad I didn't take that from her. Right. <laughs> Eyeball. Yeah. Sorry, Ash. By way of champagne. Mm -hmm. All right. So I mean, Esquire uh, is where he got his start, but he does continue to write. So uh, it, to do a quick bibliography, if you will, um, so you first have Esquire drinks an opinionated and irreverent guide to drinking. So it's basically a collection of a lot of his um, little articles about certain drinks. Um, and it's a uh, continuation from that in said magazine. It hits shelves on 2000 in 2004, excuse me, actually happened because another um, publishing house uh, started publishing David Wondrich's articles from Esquire, a mm. book that Esquire had set out before him, but had included his articles. And so Esquire, uh, they didn't ask for any permission from them. So they were just like, fuck it. We're just going to have yeah. David Wondrich send us another book. We're going to publish it online. They said, fuck it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. And you can Google still to this day. You can just go in and Google like the Manhattan Wondrich and you'll just get. It'll come up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Any of the stuff. Yeah. Um, the next release he has for books is Killer Cocktails. It's mainly a guide to building your home bar um, and includes tons of classics, obviously. So that came out in 2005. In 2007, he uh, publishes Imbibe. So that's arguably his most uh, famous cocktail book. Yeah. Um, it's basically a deep dive into Jerry Thomas's contributions, um, but he writes particularly Beautiful. eloquently. It's funny. It's informative. Um, it's a fantastic book. It does win the James Beard Award. And uh, it gets. They should give it two more. Two more beer awards. Sure, why He's not? Nominated. Just dust one. Ones, yeah. Just dust another one off and give it to him for that book. <laughs> that book is so important. It's really good. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I have some excerpts I'm going to read from because he's a fantastic writer. Right. Yeah. We'll go. We'll with we'll, that in just a minute, though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, whenever you tell me, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> he, it's published in 2007 man. and then republished again in 2010. Um, shortly after, uh, he did excuse me, republished in 2012. In 2010, he writes Punch. So it's a similar 
um, design for the book for those who just saw the one that John has. I've got mine here. This is Punch. Um, it's the same idea. It's a historical basis for, for, the, uh, for the first social cocktail, if you like, which yeah. is the Punch Bowl. And him and him expanding on a chapter of the imbibe book and just getting a whole other right. book out of it. It was just a, a short. There's so know. much more. There's a lot of history in Punch. Huge in that, history in, in punch. that particular uh, book. Is the first mixed cocktail, so to speak. Yeah, the first time you yeah. put stuff together mm-hmm. instead of drinking it on its own. Yeah, and then his most recent publication is the Oxford Companion to Spirits and Cocktails, a project he completed with a fellow Daily Beast writer um, Noah Rothbaum. An absolute beast of the book. Yeah, that and is it was a very hefty, October hefty book right there. <laughs> 21. Um, John, you got this recently uh, for the bar. So I think you yeah. dipped your toe in it a little bit. And but. it's a reference book. It's not, you don't have to read it A to Z. I mean, it's, no, it's like an encyclopedia. You, correct. And yeah. it, it's a book that's very, very useful if you want to have, if you're somebody who's cultivating a complete knowledge of spirits and cocktails and you want to be able to reference and have on hand something to say about anything. And it's, it covers industry luminaries it covers spirits it covers distillation it yeah. covers regional history it's it's as easy as like so a guest asks you what's falernum you give them a short answer you decide you'd like to go a little bit deeper into it you find falernum in this book look yeah up, and, then- and even if you want to acquire a couple sentences to say about that right you would dip your toe in it you would yeah and it's i think it's really cool to have around if we have you know younger people who want to learn more oh yeah you could say yeah. okay well you know, if somebody asks you exactly what that is at a table, it's okay to say, well, I, this is what I know about it. I'll find out more. And yeah. then, you know, before your next shift, you can go to that book and look at it and, and then when they're educate in, yourself a yeah. little bit. Or what I also find useful is if a guest asks what's Falernum and I have, have the book at hand, I mark the page and then physically throw the book at them. Yes. This yes. book? This yes. book, yeah. Yes. And I don't do like a little loft. I really kind of thor like I, I yeah. hammer it, yeah. get an axe yeah. throwing full rotation. Thing, and if they can yeah. catch it, <laughs> they get a full a free drink. And if they don't catch it, they get a free bruise. Bruise. From the book <laughs> Not brew. Bruise. Yeah. yeah. All right. I will never ask you a question about drinks while sitting at your bar. Oh, Especially not to learn them. No, it's we just got it, so we're still yeah. kind of waiting our way through it. But it's exactly what I expected from Wondrich. Yeah. Comprehensive, extraordinarily well written, and and just deeply useful. He has a good understanding of what an industry person or somebody who's who's got an academic interest in the subject matter needs from him as a writer. Oh yeah. 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 So this would be the point where I'm like, you can talk about Imbibe now if you like, yeah. because because uh, we've switched into just a general bibliography to kind of deep diving into the books. Sure. Imbibe is next. Also, for those of you who have been watching this podcast, if you see Mark's arm kind of tweak over every once in a while. We got some new sound equipment some and he's really Yay. excited to play with it. We are very excited. Yeah. And it makes me sound louder. I told just, you about touching just, the microphone. Man. Listen, listen. <laughs> we don't want the fuzzy wuzzies. <laughs> we don't want fuzzy the fuzzy wuzzies. Oopsie doopsies. He was yeah. only a bear. None of that. And so we don't want it. So one of the things that I think is is just unbelievable about this book, and he what he's doing is he's kind of he's kind of looking at the history of cocktails through through one man and one man's era, at least at first, it's Jerry Thomas. So he's writing about Jerry Thomas, who is the first superstar bartender by virtue of oh, being yeah. the first bartender who wrote any of this shit down. Like he's the first one to put recipes down on paper. A bon vivant's guide. Bon vivant's guide. Uh, bon vivant's companion. Drinking companion. Yeah. yeah. 
a bon yeah. vivant's companion. And he he did at the time something that was considered, you know, like something you don't do, which is write all this stuff down. Like he didn't believe that the recipes were um, something that he had to keep secret. He wanted to share them. Right. Which, you know, Jerry Thomas, not wonders, but Jerry Thomas. And he essentially is using this to be the first bartender to truly build his own brand. Yes. Like this is me. I'm the dude. I got the, the, the brass buttons on my vest. Right. I'm the showiest, you know, motherfucker out here. Come drink at my bar because I know it. And I'm so confident about it. I'm going to tell you how to do it. And that's like, he has a deep love for Jerry Thomas. In he a way because Jerry Thomas. He's like literally the first, you said bar star. I said, entertainment bartender. Um, same idea in, he writes this manual in 1862. He had had at that point uh, bars in New York, in Cleveland, I want to say. He had been all over, Cincinnati, yeah. Cincinnati, maybe, instead of Cleveland. New Orleans, uh, San Francisco, he had already hit there as well. Wonders um, talks about this, and I love this phrase, the sporting crowd. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you know, the idea throw, of being a sport. Yeah, he'd throw those blue blazers over his head like yeah. so, and fire raining down, and people are freaking out and having a good time. He had a bar underneath P.T. Barnum's uh, American museum on broadway in new york which is awesome and uh, this spot had bowling it had dancing you go to the museum you could the first down. entertainment bar the first entertainment bar one of the things that he focuses on there is a shooting range where he's actually oh, hired man. ladies from pt barnum and they're all these ladies are just sitting there chilling with their rifles and they're like you think you could shoot a shot against me you think <laughs> you can make this uh make this shot instead of me and these guys are getting repeatedly drunk like continuously drunk and they're just like yeah i can yeah i got to shoot something better than you of course i can <laughs> and they'd be like well <laughs> i'll get you another free drink if you can shoot better watch this yeah yeah he's five brandy crosses in he's gonna slurp down another <laughs> no way he'll out shoot old hillary <laughs> but these ladies were She's like trained, shot. they didn't know that they were like trained professionals and they yeah. just get lit as heck <laughs> what trying an awesome to game <laughs> be more masculine i guess but so i think I, like his history <laughs> about how he ties the birth of cocktail culture into like sporting culture and by oh, sporting, yeah. I mean oh, yeah. gambling and, really, uh, and horse racing is, is excellent. And I think that he, he truly is interested in, in American history and in this, this kind of r culturally rich underbelly that yeah. is super fun to write about. Um, I think I have here, yeah, so he also has a big affection for writing about the Prince of Wales. Yes, he does. You know? Yeah, a big drinker as well. N uh, no, not that time. Eddie, Prince Eddie. Eddie. Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, the, the one who the is also, yeah. yeah, he's also the one who. He toured America all over the Yeah, yeah he did. Uh, yeah. Hollis? With Hollis, you know? yes. Mm -hmm. Simpson. Or something. Simpson. Yes. Thank yeah, you. and they have a little bit I've about seen the crown. <laughs> You've seen the crown. You know the crown. <laughs> yes. And uh, this is about when. Uh, Yes, this is about uh, when he met Jerry, supposedly met Jerry Thomas. So they asked the, the, the princess, has he ever drunk a mint julep, sir? No, the prince had not. Yes, he would. And here's the kicker. Thompson led the prince to a famous barroom presided over by no less famous Jerry Thomas, one of the great artists in his line or time. That's a direct quote. His Royal Highness, his Royal Highness watched the, quote, elaborate and picaresque style of manufacture practiced by the mixers of elixirs in those antebellum days with profound curiosity and admiration, took a sip and said, why, it's only lemonade after all, revised his opinion as the julep glow suffused him and pronounced it, quote, very, very nice. End of anecdote. Now, if there were ever two people who should have met, they were the Prince of Wales and Jerry Thomas. They had much in common, from a deep curiosity into the composition of drinks to an interest in the operation of the rules of probability to an unshakable personal, personal dignity leavened with humor. 
drinking, well, gambling, yeah. and jokes. Exactly. Yeah. But that's how Wondrich writes. He's extremely smart. Very eloquent. And, and, and really into kind of like grabbing you by the coat sleeve and bringing you on yeah. a journey. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. I mean, if you think about it, the title is Imbibe from the in total, imbibe from absinthe cocktail to whiskey smash a salute and stories and drinks to the professor Jerry Thomas, pioneer of the American bar featuring the original formula. Um, I mentioned the long title because he's literally so inclusive about everything. So everything. it's a lively read for bartenders, cocktail enthusiasts, super humorous in most cases, historically informative about slings, just like good fizzes, toddies, sours. Yeah. And he's very funny. And he has a, a beautiful reverence for certain cocktails like the fish house punch. Which is, this is my favorite my punch. Favorite. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is his introductory paragraph about the drink. The fish house punch is thrice blessed. Its name is memorable and strangely alluring. Its history is august and eccentric, and its formula is delicious and deadly. Oh. The greatest of all American punches. It deserves to be protected by law, taught in schools, <laughs> and made a mandatory part of every Fourth of July celebration with dilute proportions given to those not yet of legal age so that they may be accustomed to its taste. Yeah, yeah I mean, just, I, I completely Small agree. beers kind of mentality <laughs> yeah. there, small right? Beers. Small beers. Yeah. beers yeah. Mixed with kids. lemonade. <laughs> that drink is literally so good, though. It's dope. I, I love it's a great cocktail, yeah, yeah, and it's good on, a, on an individual level. Yeah. And I've, I have made it in long-form punch, too, and it's just fantastic. Rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> and that's – like, read punch, too, because – yeah. Making punch is very, very difficult, but really, really satisfying if you get it right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the, the full title for punch is punch the delights and dangers, in quotes, uh, of the flowing bowl. So um, it's, it is in short a uh, paragraph or two, maybe a whole chapter in Unbibe. It's a whole chapter. It's a whole chapter yeah. in by, but it's an entire book here. So they dive deep into the history. Um, it kind of starts off with uh, with structure and style, but they go into the fact that it, it really, historically speaking, was like a way for sailors to avoid scurvy, but more deliciously so. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've got the daiquiri and the gimlet, which we mentioned before, and I think the second, first or second, also uh, the rum social episode, aspect of it, right? Like the that's the other part. Hanging yeah. out around the punch bowl. Yeah. Just like when you have a party and you invite everybody to your house, but then at the end of the party, everybody's in the kitchen. Like they're yeah. all just standing it's in the kitchen. how that happens, You've right? provided well, scene and music, but all of a sudden everybody's just nailing drinks. In the yeah. That's almost exactly how it happens. So it yeah. starts with sailors and then people that sailors are being employed by. So really landed gentry or royals or just like higher ups in general, they start to be like, what, what do you got over there? What's that over there? It sounds really interesting. And they're like chugging it down. So they start to develop these like more refined versions of the sailor's punch. Mm-hmm. Um, Dutch punch in particular are the ones that like the Dutch swear up, down, left, right, and center that their punches are the best because it's made with things like brandy or arak or yeah. rum punches don't really come along until later. That's mostly like post, well, during prohibition and post prohibition when like all these bartenders have this excess rum because you can only get one bottle of rye if you get six bottles of rum, um, which is kind of like an old school uh uh, Do you think did the did the Dutch sailors use, uh, Jennifer? Jennifer, <laughs> Jennifer, Jennifer. Did they use Jennifer in their punches? I <laughs> think they would. So I think they would just call that. It was like Dutch malt spirit is often yeah. what it's called. Because yeah, yeah, like yeah. we mentioned in the podcast, that it was a precursor to gin, but really it tasted closer to whiskey, which we also mentioned. Yeah, um, they would have used a lot of that, and then they would have spiced it up with a lot of things that they would have had in the spice trade: nutmeg, cinnamon, anise. Yeah, you do um, see nutmeg is very popular in early punches. Yeah, and in the book punch, um, it's spice element. Spice element. Yeah, yeah. it's argued that India kind of starts the punch, or generally speaking, the Asian regions start the punch, but it gets um, sent along via the English imperial 
travels with the navy. Travels with the navy. Yeah, yeah. is why they and start you can get the promoted mm-hmm. on a boat if you could make a good punch. Oh yeah, like oh, you yeah. could be like, oh now you're the oh, captain's man. You're the admiral. You're the <laughs> yeah. captain's man. <laughs> so yeah, they all enjoyed a good punch. Like literally every class by the time that the punch was the most popular, anyone and everyone could have punch. You can have cheap as heck gin punch. Uh, in say gin lane, like we talked about before, mm-hmm. or you could have it at the highest uh, um, possible. Or the poshest of social. Yeah, yeah. the king. Who do you think was more yeah. valued on the ship? The guy who could make the best punch or the cook? Yes. Punch. <laughs> the punch. punch. The punch. punch. Probably punch. Yeah. 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 I'm getting seasick. So, so I need like nothing good, on that boat. So. Like if you made good food, <laughs> that doesn't nearly make up for bad punch as like good punch makes up for bad food. That's very true. Because. Even shitty food can taste good if you're drunk enough. On good punch, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so some of my favorite parts of Wondrich's writing isn't necessarily about the history, but the way he elaborates small details. Um, for instance, there's a quick quip under the subheading, uh, Mariton Latrune's Bantam Punch, which is under the chapter of Arak Punch, which is one of my arguably favorite punches. Uh, it's a costly ingredient. And here Arik. we mean an Indonesian uh, Dutch spirit, not the anise-based middle eastern spirit oh thank you yeah because there's a big difference depending on what you're where you're from or what you've experienced if you hear us say arak it's going to be one thing or another thank you yeah, yeah. a-r-r-a-c-k yes. i don't think they're spelled the same so that should help uh, i think the other is i think it's just a-r-a-k yeah it's it been a while like sorry arak. if i mess if i mess that up um but under this uh Part, right? Arak is an incredibly costly ingredient. It came from the East. Sailors and privateers would find equal parts of joy in drinking it and pain in the expense of it. And uh, for such a lavish spirit, if people don't know, Batavia is um, a port on the Isle of Java under the Dutch East Indies, uh, which today corresponds to Jakarta, Indonesia. Um, In his research, though, he comes across an early English fiction writer, Richard Head, a hilarious non plume if it's not his real name, because the shorthand <laughs> of Richard is Dick. Um, He's just a dickhead. <laughs> who, in his work, uh, the English rogue described in the life of Maritain Latrune a witty extravagant. His notes put, for witty extravagant, read utter scumbag. Utter scumbag. Right? Not a sport. No. <laughs> no. Utter scumbag. So in the, in the story, this expert swindler finds himself... Um, in unlikely events, he falls into a street called China Row, where he meets and marries an Indian punch housekeeper so that he can be supplied with two quarts of rack tea punch for the rest of his life. The Indian punch housekeeper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, that's a hell of a title. Airport that's funding. a good one. <laughs> He's living the life O'Reilly, as it were. <laughs> um, Stories like that are prevalent throughout the book. To give you another example of his writing, just to bring this back, because the Prince of Wales cocktail is also another like kind of great fruit-based cocktail. And this is from the description of the Prince of Wales cocktail, but it's also kind of, uh, I was just reminded of it because of the way he talks about people. Um, The prince was a pup, a gay dog, a lech, a lush, a charming, if stout son of a bitch. (laughs) Said bitch being Queen Victoria. Hey. <laughs> he watched decade after decade roll by with her grasping the reins of power for dear life and nothing for him to do in the official line but wave to the nice folks. So he did what everybody else would have done. He got grumpy. He got loose. Mistresses and mischief ensued. He spent a lot of time at the table, the theater, and the club. He spent a lot of – somewhere along there, he learned how to make a pretty fair ver- variation on the improved whiskey cocktail. In fact, one of the sportiest on record. If his circumstances had been different, Albert Edward, Prince of Wales, would have made a hell of a bartender. He loves these characters. 
Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, as a British historian, I try not to speak too much one way or the other about the royal family, but it sounds real reminiscent of certain other heirs to the throne who are waiting mm. maybe for their moms to die or just whatever. Hanging and out. Yeah. Hanging out. You but know, she's got the <laughs> Are they sporty? I heard about she's What's his improved words. whiskey cocktail taste like? Nobody knows. Yeah. I read an article or a headline for an article that said, like, now that the queen has COVID, she's like one heavy wind blow away from biting, du- biting the dust. No. <laughs> no, she's vaccinated. Come on now. No, 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 no. Yes. With right. alien embryonic, embryonic yeah. technology. Yeah. yeah. We saw their werewolves. <laughs> Probably. They'll, Probably. They'll never know. The, Doctor Who fans know exactly right what I'm talking they about. they kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, both of these books are super playful, incredibly fun. Honestly, uh, even if I wasn't into cocktails, I feel like I would enjoy reading it. They're so fun. Yeah? Yeah. Um, it's a little technical in some parts, so you'd kind of have to, like, glaze over it. But at the same time, it's really, really fantastic. The Oxford Companion to Spirits and Cocktails, however, is super technical in, in most parts, although still light in others. Less, yeah. less a narrative-driven book and more a use a guide. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It is a reference piece first and foremost. It's really an encyclopedia in a way. Yeah. It's in the same way that um, the Oxford Companion to Beer or Wine, because those have been published works and like for food as well. Mm-hmm. But this companion, uh, the first in its kind in relation to high gravity alcohol, if you think about it. Yes. Which is kind of crazy because cocktails have been part of uh, social life since probably at least the 12th century or for written records the 17th century. But a book like this has to hit when you're still when it's still a very viable part of the culture like it's in a renaissance right and i didn't think you know like the 60s 70s 80s you know that wasn't the time and plus you have to have two people who are willing to do all of the work to actually make an oxford companion of anything or even have cocktail historians right because we talked about jerry thomas having been one of the first written uh, first to write down excuse me recipes but he wasn't really a historian in any way he just no he was hyping recipes and himself yeah Yeah. Yeah. a point to write it down i was the guy who did this first so come to my bars so that was, yeah, so I mentioned before, so that's Wondrich and then Noah Rothbaum, and they did put forth a huge amount of effort. I think mm. there's over 1,200 cocktail recipes in this book. Yeah, it's Good such Lord. an awesome. That, is a, that is a beast of a book. Awesome a reference. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. Yeah. That's I was just checking, I was checking my notes <laughs> to see if I had more, but uh, like I, said, I didn't really read it yet. I'm super excited, too, but <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. It, I got no much else. I just don't really think it can be kind of understated how big of an impact that his writing has had on the industry. Oh yeah. It you know, the books came out when I was a younger bartender. I had had a couple years of doing actual cocktail work under my belt when this happened because I came to it late after my undergrad. I didn't start working in like a decent bar until after I had already graduated from Western. The bar I worked at at Western was, you know, it was a shot and beer bar and I worked at an Irish pub, but we didn't do a lot of cocktails. Mm-hmm. So there are people who had put reference books out there that we didn't, I didn't have anywhere else to go to, to get any sort of reference point for my own builds for cocktails. Ted Haig's book, forgotten cocktails and vintage spirits. Um, David Wondrich's book. And honestly, stuff like as silly as it sounds, the difference guide where you have, where Simon Difford, this UK bartender was just publishing everything, like every single recipe he could possibly find and putting it out there. And so, Oh my gosh, some of these, UK cocktails that were popular in the 90s are horrific sounding. <laughs> Lots and like, of Midori. Yeah, so much Midori. Blue Curacao, really, really, really stupid names. And obviously just massive party drinks. I, 
I yeah. think if I were drinking cocktails in the Britpop era, it would have been very bad. The Shagadelic Cosmo. Yeah, the Shagadelic <laughs> well, Cosmo. Like, tiki cocktails, for instance, kind of span the time, but because some of those do have a lot of juice or syrup, well, and you've also got these people generally in, like, likable regardless. And that's a niche that I think everybody have. That that they fire was kept smoldering, yeah, yeah so, by the people who were yeah. just really into that kind of cocktail. Yeah. But the stories and the history were massive because it also spoke to the build and the ingredients. Oh, that's yeah. what makes Wondrich's writings so invaluable if you're if you're getting into this type of work because everything he writes about the history and how the drinks came to be is also tied into how they're made and why yeah. they're made the way that they are and he's got lots of excellent stuff about the type of sugar or the type of yeah. for, yeah. for prep items right or why a cordial is more than just juice and syrup like yeah. sugar like yeah. All what's that the stuff. point of that and why do we dilute it to a certain degree mm -hmm. Yeah, and these templates for these drinks, these builds and, and families and categories, are the the type of thing that you have to build a foundation for, right? So that you can go and make new drinks. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta know how to make your daiquiris and your Manhattans and your old fashions and your juleps. And yeah, your, yeah. Your slings and your and all of it's very very entertaining. So yeah. if if you're a reader. Yeah, entertaining and also like I, I made a point to add to my notes that he's also someone who's adamantly pulling for the cocktail industry and craft spirits mo yep. movement like since the 90s. He's been getting serious about the work, but he's also a patient type like he understands that there's going to be cocktail declines in these periods where people only want high alcohol and you can only work with the ingredients you have. So if he's going to go yeah. to a sports bar, he's not necessarily be like this Manhattan's freaking grass. Yes, yeah, hat. exactly. You know, he knows he's in a sports bar or yeah. whatever it is or that. You know, you haven't read these articles yet or, or found this information yet, so you're just working with the best that you got. Um, but, I mean, for himself, he's won tons of awards. So he's he's not only like great at writing, but he's practiced as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so he's won, he's a five-time Tales of the Cocktail Spirited Award winner, once in 2008 for Best New Cocktail Book and Vibe, and 2009 for Best Cocktail and Spirits Writer for some of his article work with, like, um, Esquire and Daily Beast, 2011, he gets the uh, best new cocktail bartending book again for Punch, um, Spirits Writer again, and then in 2021, most recently, he got it for best podcast, broadcast, or online video series for Life Behind Bars, which he um, co-hosts with Noah Rothbaum, the the writer the guy from that the he did for Oxford, Oxford yeah. Companion. A yeah, fantastic name for a podcast too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it also influences a bunch of dudes into buying a bunch of vests and tie pins and waxing their mustaches yeah, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. essentially looking the part, which well, is an interesting thing yeah. about this this industry, which I think is like kind of. Imbibe kind of, it's a fun book because when that came out, almost every bar that called itself a speakeasy bar started to reevaluate what that meant. Yes. It's not just a hidden bar right. or like yeah. a bar that's connected to a restaurant, but it's its own Started bar, to become so about different. the mood and the culture too. Yeah. But then you get something that's Sometimes really dangerous, right? Yeah. Because it, it you can do a lot of surface level stuff, but if the drinks and the service aren't good, then... Enjoy your Instagram photos and never come back exactly again. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it... His influences, like anybody who's super influential, his influence is very interesting to di dissect because yeah. you get a lot of people who um, know the words but not the music, essentially. Fair, yeah, you know? fair. And who who are doing everything on a, on, a, on a surface level very, very correct to give you a sense of nostalgia and a sense of otherworldliness when you step into their bar. But then you're paying fifteen dollars for a cocktail that isn't any good. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's an interesting way to. So you have to balance it. The nostalgia is also so. He's also um, co-founder of the American uh, 
sorry, the Museum of the American Cocktail in New Orleans and Louisiana, which I went to recently. So he and Dale DeGroff uh, basically set that up with others to contribute, obviously. But, you know, his his uh, writing and his work obviously influences tons of people, but he wants there to be resources literally anywhere and everywhere yes, right, to like yeah. understand the change. So he wrote, he wrote a lot about why ice was super important, why the shaker modified, why it's no longer just the, the Boston glass and the, mm-hmm. you know, how it changed over time. He has a collection of um, strainers, I think just as a personal you know, yeah. thing, but I was gonna say, I th- I'm pretty sure there's like a whole like little section in imbibe just about strainers. Yep. Yeah. Cause that's something he's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. personally fascinated with and the way that they do or do not, allow ice to be added to the drink after shaking. Like I get it. That totally makes sense to me. Absent spoons are things that I've started to think I should start. You should collect. I think I might. Yeah. (laughs) They get really interesting. Yeah. There could be like a space cat one and no one would know. Very ornate too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. So I think um, maybe that we need to at least have one more read. Sure. Uh, from the imbibe book because i Go think this section it, yeah. is absolutely hilarious and then also there's a cocktail i want to talk about too we'll get into in a second but um going back to vermouth yes this yeah. is how he opens his section on the manhattan cocktail so the vermouth cocktail is no doubt a fine thing offering as it does a bold presence on the palate while still being low in impact he's talking about a, a drink that has as its base vermouth perhaps the impact is too low you go to all the trouble of hitching your foot up on the rail Engaging Ed in conversation, supervising his movements as he dashes and splashes and waltzes everything around with ice, and the straining and the twisting and the sliding and the pain. And what do you get for your 15 cents? Something with no more kick to it than the little glass of sherry your maiden aunt takes when the fantods have got her. (laughs) But what if you put a stick in it? Rye, gin, brandy, it doesn't matter. Just a little something to make you feel like you've had a drink. That's one possibility. On the other hand, there's this one. The whiskey or gin or brandy cocktail is no doubt a fine thing, offering as it does a smooth presence on the palate while still being high in impact, perhaps too high. You go to all the trouble of hitching your foot up on the rail and all the rest, and what do you get for your 15 cents? Drunk, that's what. The problem with these things is they go down so easy that you want to treat your throat to a couple or three just to show your appreciation for the fine job it's been doing you. But the next thing you know, it's next Thursday and you're in Oakland with what feels like three black eyes and an anchor tattooed on your arm. (laughs) But what if you turned the damper down a little, took that new vermouth stuff, plenty flavorful, but no John L. Sullivan, and replaced some of the booze with it? Maybe you could have a drink or two without all the vaudeville. And that is a vaudeville. Excellent excerpt into... The history and his general idea of yeah. what of that time and drinking, which is excellent. And then they have this awesome bit at the end of the book where they do, where he basically got a bunch of super famous bartenders to do a cocktail in the Jerry Thomas style, right? And they oh, were cool. all going to do yeah, these little fun. tributes to to Jerry Thomas. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and um, one of my favorites, which is just so insane, is Gaz Regan's because he did something called the parentheses almost and parentheses blow my skull off which is two ounces of cognac and a half ounce each of peach schnapps and a half ounce of jägermeister which sounds i've never ever tried one oh i'm I'm gonna do it someday but it sounds just insane like a nib of jägermeister yeah yeah but wonder cocktail which i guess he did assemble people to go to jerry thomas's grave shake up drink at the gravesite and then pour one out oh, in tribute for the homies is the tombstone cocktail, which is basically not even a cocktail. It's two ounces of hundred proof 
401 proof rye whiskey, which I hope that he means Rittenhouse (laughs) or Wild Turkey, a teaspoon of rich syrup, and two dashes of Angostura bitters shaken. A shaked old-fashioned in a way. Basically. It's just so stupid and simple and tastes awesome. That's what we call metal as fuck. Yeah. Like, (laughs) why all the nonsense? And that was the Tombstone cocktail, his tribute to uh, Jerry Thomas. I wonder if he made all of his... uh, BAR, the bar program um, students do that as well. You <laughs> know, know what I mean? Like everyone just after class goes over there. It's like a five-day intensive course he uh, wrote with Dale well, he, and he's buried in, uh, I think he's buried in New York. He's buried in New York, yeah. yeah. Apparently a fine little cemetery. I remember listening mm-hmm. to him say in an interview. Um, Until they plow it yeah. over and put it in the Those Starbucks. Who, <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know, BAR program, it's uh, it's an acronym. So it's Beverage Alcohol Resource, um, something that he developed with some others in 2005 just to help people become better, more educated bartenders. Wow. Continuing uh, influence in the industry, really. So, a huge proponent of education. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, he is. As an academic, that naturally makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I think we did a good coverage. That's so our wrap-up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, Mr. Yeah. Wonders, for... Um, I mean, with this, uh, this show honestly could have been three hours long. We could have talked about yeah. all of these books and delved into all these recipes. And there's so much to learn just from the stuff that he's put down on paper, let alone his podcast, which is ridiculously informative. So or no. the other bartender, set, like bartender at large and all those other podcasts that he's been featured on. Yeah, not even just exactly. Yeah. You know, so from one small corner of Michigan, thanks a bunch. Yeah. Thanks guys. Heavy metal. Hey, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, he's still a rock star to us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, that's it from bar talk. Cheers. Myself. Courtney and Mark. Cheers. Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you on the flip. Thank you. On the flip. flip. <laughs> Later. Where are my red evidence? <laughs> In a goblet on the table. The talent is always very... Um, it's just that I don't ask for much. I want them in prime number uh, uh, denominations. Like, I can take 13 of them. But not okay. 14. Not 14. Absolutely not. 21? No. No, 53. But okay. I, I, want, I, want, I want the M&Ms. Hmm, maybe yeah. sitting around and doing nothing to contribute to a show <laughs> is helping you rest your needs. <laughs>